Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Motherhood, a beautiful nightmare, acknowledges the Ghana people as the traditional custodians of the land and water on which this podcast is recorded and produced. Hello, welcome to Motherhood, a Beautiful Nightmare. The podcast for the mother who is flying by the seat of her queen knickers. Queen knickers, because boy, do we have a ripper of an awesome, awesome episode for you. Don't we, Chanel? We're we're rounding up season four of Motherhood, a Beautiful Nightmare, and we are interviewing, chatting to, shooting the shit with none other than Constance Hall. Okay now, from the beginning. Motherhood, a beautiful nightmare. Wow, Shani Fanny. Tamara Banana Rama. So we interviewed the beautiful soul that is Constance Hall, didn't we? We did. And someone that has been sharing her truth with the world for nearly 20 years. And it's her raw, honest, vulnerable personality that it makes people immediately feel at ease when they're chatting with her or reading her stuff or watching her videos. She's awesome. So we had a lot of laughs. Oh, we did. We talked about anything and bloody everything, didn't we, on this one? It's juicy. (laughs) It's fun. And it's just... Three, us three just, yeah, having a good old cack. So listen Yeah, Constance, she's a really entrepreneurial woman. Like she just gets stuff done, this lady. Oh. Like she's got her own label, the Queen the Label, fashion, skincare. Published author. My goodness. Yeah, author. Um, two books, is it Chanel? Yes. Yeah, she's got a lot going on. Obviously she's a blogger and she's on Instagram and she does all the things, all while juggling a family. But also a lot of things that we don't know about too. So there's so many conversations that she has a great influencer on so many levels. So um, we had a brilliant chat with her. Mm. So please enjoy. This episode is the con special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's the tech guy? Exactly. Agent have... takes me like I've got a tech guy. I'm like, does he know I'm here with my 10-year-old going, hello? <laughs> And we were contorting our faces because we were were like, shit, there's a bit of wrinkles going on there. Tamara's convinced that she, what did you say? Oh, it's like a filing system going on in my forehead. (laughs) (laughs) Like you could store your mail in there. You don't have. You don't have the. I've always been lucky with my forehead. Yeah, my friends had it, and they would get Bowie in their forehead, and I was. I get Bowie there, which I'm due for. That's what I need. Look, this is mine. This is my angry little. Yeah, I like it when I can't. I used to have a boss that used to yell at me and he'd be like, you have been very bad, darling. (laughs) (laughs) Go on, frown, I dare you. (laughs) Those of you who see Con's face, she's just got her eyes, you know, it's like that real still face that can't move. That you can't move. Yeah. yeah. Frozen, frozen. Frozen. 
but I do, I do think that the old uh, foreheads in the wrinkle in the forehead is a nice thing because when the girls got the Botox, they looked funny. It was a weird look. I mean, I reckon that wrinkles around your mouth can make you look a bit sort of saggy in the face. All the top ones are all smile lines. They're all good. Well, I must have cacked myself then. Because... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great life. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It shows on your face. But, I mean, you've been doing this for, like, what, 20 years or so? Is that right? Blogging. Blogging and... Blogging, yeah. All the yeah, things. absolutely. Yeah, Man. I've been writing since before it was called blogging, really. Love it. Always have. Um, I guess it's a way of being a writer without having the credentials and it's sort of the first yeah. time that you could... You know, there were. I think as a man it was easier to sort of step above without the credibility of the degrees and the bachelors and all the rest of it. For a woman, we kind of had to tick all the boxes and being dyslexic and ADHD, there was no boxes getting ticked. I was like... From the age of, you know, 13 on until I was like 21, I was just going to get drunk and rip boys, you know. <laughs> like there is no degree, there is no taste, there is no – I'd go to places for like a one one week. I did my stat test when I was 21 because I really wanted to get some credibility and get like, you know, taken seriously. Yeah. And I was like, fuck you all, I can do this, I can go to uni. And I got in the top 97%. I was yeah, amazing. Just like, <laughs> yeah, fuck you all. And then went to uni, walked out. I just got that same migraine that I had when I was 10, you know, from oh, yeah. studying is just not my thing. And yeah. um, like – I did a little small stint in radio as well and didn't like it at all. I was just everything that I would say I'd be buzzed in, can't say that, can't do this. Mm. And I was just, you know, you know when you're proud of work because you say, have you seen my book, have you read my book or have you done this or have you, I do this through living or whatever it is, there was never any, you should you should listen to my radio show. And it was me and my best friend and we're both, we're both the most hilarious people you ever meet. So it should have been great. It just didn't feel like me at all. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, everything that I've ever tried to do, institutionally didn't mm. work for me it was everything that I did that I led that yeah. did and so you know having blogged for so long and used you know WordPress and Blogspot and all those things and done the whole like email send out when I was younger because it was like an audience you know mm. like, wow I've got 200 contacts then moving on to my own page it was just this direct to the people and the people could choose what they wanted to pick up what they wanted to put down and it changed everything for me and it changed everything for a lot of people i feel like it yeah. took the gateway the the gateholders away 100%. and it was yeah and it was like if you're prepared to show up present give the content share yourself be raw be real be authentic with you know respect your your readers enough to be authentic with them and yourself which is always the tricky part because you mm. don't realize how much you've been lying to yourself until you yes. write a post that's quite convoluted then you earn it then you're then you're you deserve to be there I think that was all that sort of that sort of happened and I sometimes I've been go fuck it has been a long time now since I since the the blog kind of took off and I've been in in the public eye so to speak and it's just it's forever changing you know like when I was hitting the like five that growing five thousand followers a day the internet was a completely different place yeah and so you know like it's not that I haven't kept that up it's that I if I did it would be ridiculous it wouldn't land today you've maintained and it. But things are constantly, I mean, I've maintained a following, but I definitely didn't continue to grow. I think most people have a year or so of growth right. and then they sort of reach their level. And you can, you need to maintain it to a certain level, but you can keep trying to grow it and it will, but it doesn't do, you know, I watch it happen to so many people and I'm like, hey girl, they're getting, you've got to keep going, this is your time. And then yeah. they clatter out. And you, That's your yeah. spot. Yeah. And if you're cool with it and, um, you know, it's tried to go harder. But yeah, the, the whole mummy blogging thing that, you know, was 
quite big and it was just a sharing of every day. People want more from the internet now and they don't have as much time. Every year they get less time to get dedicate and they want to be able to get more out of that time. So I mm. couldn't write a whole story about my day like I used to be able to and, yeah. and captivate anyone. Then a lot of trends come and go and I've sort of stepped away from a lot of them because I'm like, I can't do that. I know. <laughs> I mm. with the cool kids I know. Oh, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> But that's what makes you so relevant still from what you do. Despite everything changing around you, you mm. still remain so relevant to so many people. Well, it's speaking of that, that your post, your parents' sex post in 2016 mm. that went absolutely just off the charts, it was like, as to quote you, a viral sigh of relief because everyone went, yes, I do that too. I still feel that post is as relevant today as it was the day you wrote it because we've got all these new waves of parents coming in and they're facing very similar problems. You know, the internet is an ever-changing place, but parenthood is still a similar kind of cauldron of, of craziness, of yeah. spit, you know, and this kind of trying to understand how your relationship changes after children, whether you've had one, five, three, whatever, it's still that shift of change. And I still feel, and I actually only read your post again yesterday, and I thought it's exactly the same. And so many of these new parents coming through are going to be like, Yes, I'm validated it's by new that. To them. Yeah. And Eagle Pickle's still frigging on telly doing his yeah, thing, yeah. that little weird ass. <laughs> That's right. And then they get with these new parents. You know, when you meet new parents, they've got one child, it's a two year old. Like, I think you did something about new parents versus parents who've got two kids and then parents who've got five kids. And, and they're like, oh, wow. Have you seen this new show, like Bluey? It's like, oh, fucking hell, <laughs> over the fucking bluey. Oh, my God, have you seen those nappies, these eco nappies? Oh, it's like it's the maternal bubble and they're still in the maternal bubble. Yeah, not anymore. And no, you're not no. interested anymore. And they want to talk for four hours about <laughs> sleeping and you're just like, I'm trying to get a job now, man. <laughs> like, seriously. Can we, yeah, yeah. That's so true. Yeah, you go insane, don't you, for about five years of just insanity. Mm. The parents' blog was definitely relevant at the time and, and the relationship that I was in. But I think about it now and I think, I don't know, maybe because Raja is a bit older, is three, but I couldn't think of anything worse than catching a five-minute route. <laughs> but we get time on our own and, yeah, things are different. I was really overwhelmed when I wrote that post and I think that's why so many women related to it because you forget, you know, I see women, they come and give me cuddles in the supermarket all the time and they'll cry mm. and they're like, I've had such a shit two years. And I'm like, God, you forget. You forget how hard it is when your kids are young or when you've got a toddler and a baby or when you got, we're pregnant with a baby, you know. It's just yeah. so hard. You know what? To quote Oprah, this is one of my favourite wow. quotes. I don't, wow. <laughs> Strap in for this. Go quote Oprah. <laughs> when you know better, you do better. So, you know, from having your, you know, the twins and Billy Violet, those kind of days to now having Raja, mm. it's it's how much more do you know? How much more you can say, well, no, we don't have to squeeze it in with Iggle Piggle backing track. We can actually do things a lot better because Well, I can now, I put myself forward now. So I'm like, I get to do what I want, when I want, and usually that is my children, but if it's not, it's not because I've got to go and work and mummy's working so everybody has to give her that time and that would have never happened before. It was no. yeah. just like. You're working. What does that mean? You work with us and throw more washing at me, throw another noodle at me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And this you is know? the thing. These like new that. modern modern ways of oh, you've created a career based on your ability to write and tell you tell the tell the truth basically so that people can relate to you. That type of thing is sometimes for maybe probably the older generation difficult for them to understand how that works as a job because they go I don't see you going to an office 9 to 5. 
yeah, writing, brilliant, but what else does that mean? Do you know what I mean? People um, forget as well. People just see you and they just sort of think that you're here to do, you know, all the mum stuff and you're just not, mm. you're, you're working. Working from home sucks and all mums will tell you that. So I want to go back to getting an office. But again, you know, my old office was like $500 a week, which is a, an affordable and a, a necessary expense in my business. But as a w- woman, I've noticed this thing that happens to me and my best friend was talking to me about, she has like an Airbnb business and she didn't have cleaner. She has cleaners that she has to sort of organise for all these places but she didn't have one for herself. She's going home to do the cleaning and it was getting her down. Me, mm. I'm coming home and I'm doing all of my work with all the kids there and I'm like, look at us. We both earn enough money for you to have a fucking cleaner and yeah. for me to have a fucking office but no, mm. because we're women, we yes. have this, I can do it. Healthy. It's okay, I can do it. But you also, know, yeah. I'll just keep doing it and come. I am a shell of the person I used to be. 100%. I'll just keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what? More. That's actually quite interesting, Con. Like in the beginning when it was all happening for you and you've got, you know, you're being entrepreneurial and your business is booming, did you find it hard to invest in yourself? Like from a financial and an emotional point of view, like, okay, I will spend that money on on rent for an, an office or I will spend that money on this and that. Yeah. This natural thing that says, well, if I cannot, I won't because I can do it because I yeah. can survive, I can make it work with that. But then I've gone through these weird stages where like, you know, when I first started earning money, I still had an apprentice hairdresser. You know, like, don't spend money because you're poor. Yeah, vibe. yeah. And then I started going, no, you're not. You're fucking rich. Make it rain, mate. Pouring out of my bank account. And then I'm trying to readjust it and say to myself, no, don't buy the expensive cashews. You can't <laughs> them, you know, and it's just, I don't know. And that's why they say rich people get richer and poor people get poorer because they don't come yeah. from money. I've never naturally been able to just, like, no. just live and just it's had to be a conscious It's a condition effort, thing. Like, how, yeah, how did you go through all your wage in two days? You get paid lots. Like, why are you doing this, Mum? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more on that. And also, we we always we're always hunting for a bit of a bargain with things too, aren't we? I think it's indoctrinated and we in don't our feel system. Deserving. We've talk, spoke yeah, about this before. Like yeah. when when the hubbies or the partners, the main breadwinners, that say in in their eyes. They don't second guess if they need to go and buy something for themselves. They can do it. But when there's a lot of mums who have taken a bit of a back seat because they've had their babies and they might not be earning as much or earning, if not anything, as far as a monetary assignment can say, they don't think they're worthy of that purchase. And it's crazy. So true. Yeah, so true. Yeah. So because it's a conscious decision, it's not just a, yeah, you do deserve that. I, I would say to myself, fuck it, you do deserve it. And then Good. I'll end up spending $600 on a couple of items that I really shouldn't have spent. Do you know what I mean? Because it's just <laughs> awkward, weird, yes, do it, con. And then the other voice is going, no. And so I'm like, yes. buying it. And then I go, why did you do that? <laughs> I know. Exactly. My, my mum exactly. does that all the time. It's extreme. She goes from being like, no, take all everything. I'll, I don't have any money. I'll give you the shit off my back. That kind of thing. She's very, very generous and she won't spend it on herself. Oh, I can't I'm bargain that. hunting. Next minute, she's poured a bloody, I don't know, <laughs> crock, yeah. crock pot from France. <laughs> well, I deserved it. It was like a moment of, I really deserved it. Oh, my this. God. I feel your mum. I feel your mum. I remember Den's lying next to me and he goes, I knew there was trouble when I heard you say, I work hard. <laughs> and I was so like, yeah, I bought a pug. And he was like, you fucking hate pugs. I'm like, oh, I needed a fucking pug, okay? <laughs> but it looked at me and it was cute. Oh, my God. The thing yeah. In a turmoil. This is terrible. <laughs> it's making me you know anxious. What else I find really, I know. 
I think sometimes I think I've got like issues and I need to go to spend as anonymous. But um, my, please my, be a place. I've noticed lately because I love to dissect, you know, my thoughts and culture around us and how it affects them. And I've noticed that there's this real grey area between what women want and what they actually want for their children. And yes. now we think we start thinking it's our wants, you know, like I want that new house. I want to move here and I'm going to do everything I can because as women we have to root for our kids. Yeah. That's all we can, you know, we know that I don't have anyone except us. A lot of us have great partners and that's fine. But it sort of turns into this when people think women are being selfish because they're pushing for what they want. And really, you know, unless it's a pair of new tits, it's generally for your children. Yes. Like it's, you know, the yes. car, the, the school, the, the and you don't even really realise it. You think they're your wants. And then if you start, you go, actually, what have I wanted for me? The bigger goals are all about them and there's this big blurred yeah. line about what it is, you know, whether it is something that you want or whether it's something you want for your children. And because you do, we do often feel like we're doing all of the wanting for our kids because our partners aren't because they're thinking about, you know, getting drunk on the weekend or whatever it is they're thinking about. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, and then we never actually compartmentalise, that's my kids and this is for me and I need some time for me because it's all just about them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a constant reminder we have to do. Don't, like you said, you can tell yourself, no, stop. Like yeah. I can I can buy this. I can do this. I can have five minutes on the toilet doing a shit. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I spent more than an hour away from any of my kids. I said to them, said that I'm oh, wow. fine. I'll go for a walk and that's it. And then I bring them to work. I bring them to photo shoots. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's probably been a year since I've spent any time away from them. And then, you know, my mum or someone might say, well, then go and do something. And I'd just be like, you know, excuse not to do it. No, it's okay because mm. I can have, you know. Yeah, so yeah, we do and we pile them on all the time. The amount of times that I've brought Ollie, my three-year-old, um, <laughs> and shoved him in Tamara's little, <laughs> shoved him, that's terrible, shoved him in Tamara's little, little voiceover studio and he's got his headphones and the laptop and a, and a stash of snacks. And, I'm like, and we keep run. throwing them at him as he talks. <laughs> yeah. We're like, <laughs> so he's been there the whole time. Oh, my God. You know? yeah. so I, I had to do one of those silent shut-ups, like trying to make my face look really scary to Raji yesterday. I'm like, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the phone. I'm trying to have, like, you know, a proper conversation. I can't remember who it was, but it was obviously important. And um, Raji's just looking at me like, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> You're not yeah, scary. I know. And you get so desperate, don't you? You're like, yeah, you really. The do. face is so scary. Like it's just like you just. You're like the devil, and you. But they don't. They, yeah. You're right. They don't You're care. They're just the like. Devil, they just don't care. <laughs> and it's also what they think in their mind is important. So I, I actually adopted the bluey thing, where Bandit Healer said, "If you want to talk bluey, you've got to put your paw on my arm, and then I know you're listening, and that's your way of waiting." And I'll. I know you're there. So I thought I'll tell Summer, my six-year-old, this is what you got to do. Put your arm on mum, hand on mummy's arm, and then I'll know you need to talk to me if I'm on a really important phone call. But then she's like, I'm still waiting. Something obviously ghastly is happening because she's not letting up. And she said this to me the other day. She goes, it's Chelsea's birthday party and we're about to do the cake. Now, Chelsea is Barbie's (laughs) sister in the dream house. (laughs) Desperate times. Wow. <laughs> what they have in their mind as being important. I'm on a really important you know, phone call and it's yeah. Chelsea's fucking birthday. I always say, you always embarrass them as well. You go, okay, if this is really important, what is it? And my kids always go, but then they're like, well. Okay, Rumi pulled my iPad and, <laughs> and I'm like, really? 
That's what I mean. That's what it was? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I suppose it goes into mums these days spinning 50,000 plates above their heads. Now, you're probably a perfect example of this because you've got lots of things going on in your business. It's not just a one-track thing. So you're, you're a mum to your five kids, you're a wife, and Denzi's two kids as well. So you've got a whole big family cauldron there, your mum, your friends, everything. Yes, but, yeah, Denzi's son's moved out, but we, do, we did look after one of them for most of the time. So, Still yeah, so I, I, I the house feel is like full. a fraud when I say I've got seven kids. I have, but the, the house is full. And I often think that my children's memories of me are just going to be, I'm working, I'm working. Mum's working, guys. And, you know, I'll go for my walk and I send Billy a text message and I'm like, when I get home, I'm yours, just me and you, you know, because it's all this like, oh, shit. But the thing is, and you've got as many kids as I do, even if you're not working, and I am pretty lucky because my work can be pretty fluent. But even if you don't, even if you don't, you've still got so many of them that you need to cover. And so your time is just spread thin. And mm. I had an interesting conversation with my daughter and I thought in the old house, I just had this vision that, you know, their memories were going to be really bad, full of blood mm. fights and full of, you know, me trying to work and, you know, because I was work- working then, you know, trying to write books and stuff with four children completely mm-hmm. like, you know, newborn twins and doing it all completely oh on my, my own. God. And, yeah, and I always thought I always had that parental guilt pang. And recently we were going through my um, Facebook and we were looking at videos of that time and the kids were just going, oh, my God, yes, that was so fun. Oh, I loved that. We were always yeah. doing this. Yeah, and it was just only good oh, memories. So and I good. think kids do that, you know, and I think we hang on to the negative. And, you know, I've heard heaps of talks about how we have to because we, especially as parents, we are trained to pick up the negative so that we can see the dangers yeah. so that we can pre- predict, yeah. predict them yeah and um that's just who we are but kids they sort of see the the positive you know like they just sort of see the fun and they only remember the good because that's a resilience thing so that yeah. their lives aren't clouded with you know shit the thing is we've only got a certain amount of lifespan to make money don't we Exactly. You, know, says you, you make money in your 20s and 40s, between your 20s and 40s or whenever it is. The time's ticking. I need to do them, but it just happens to coincide with when you're raising your fucking children. Always happens. It's Always. like when people ask, when's the best time to have kids? I don't think we're ready. Like I think, you know, like so-and-so's uh, just got a promotion at work and when can we have them? I don't know. It's like, there's never a good time. Yeah, no. And it always no. happens just once at the same time. Like we built a house, That's I think, right. at the same time as our kids are little and all yeah. the things happen. And you, you just know? make it work, you know. Yeah. You do, you do make it work. Now. And it's like, no, you know, you're lucky if you get pregnant. You can so easily not get pregnant. So 100%. if you want to have a kid in the near future, have one now. But what you said in your first book was actually, I thought it was brilliant. I screenshotted it on my phone because I thought I need to send this to a couple of my friends that label themselves shit mums all the time. They go, oh, I'm a shit mum. And they say it jokingly, but it is, it does weigh heavy if you say it quite a bit, you know. And you said, if you label yourself a shit mum, it's because you care. The guilt is there to tell you that you have been busy, tired, go to quick meals. Thank you for reminding me that I care and love my kids. That's Yeah, and I stand by that because I, you know, I have seen, you know, people that were shit mums interviewed on, you know, a current affair that had sold their kids in Asia to a pedophile ring and, you know, and you can see there is a lack of care. And then you see these parents that are the everyday parents that are just like, I'm fucking my kids' lives up. And it's like, no, you're not. You are mm-hmm. not. You care. You need to have these feelings. We all do because it's yep. just self-regulating. Yeah. Move on from them. Don't let them rule you. you yeah. Know? And I think that I think that these, you know, that's how we make our shifts. We have these little things and they tell us, oh, that's shit. That's really going to fuck the kids' lives up. And we don't make any changes at the time. And people need to realise this. There are no light bulb moments that you go, and I woke up 
After my husband yelled at me that day, I woke up and I walked out and I never went back. It doesn't happen like that. Something terrible will happen. A seed is planted. And that seed tells you, I don't like this feeling. This is not part of my moral code or my ethical reasoning for my kids. This is not how I'm raising them. That seed will fester. The, it, it is still there even though you haven't made the move and you haven't made the changes and done what you want to do. But it is absolutely there and flourishing and that the changes will come when you're ready and when you have the strength and stability to do that. Spot so on. people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. They should have acted at the time when, or, you know, how could you stay with this and that or whatever it is? How could you work while your kids need you? How could you not work? And it's just like whatever the things are that need to be done will be done because you know because they're not feeling right. They're in there and they're festering away and they're making Mm. sure that you make the changes. It's a slow burn, isn't it? It is a slow burn. I often have to remind myself in those moments of feeling like a shit mum that the kids are going to have a chip on their shoulder with something. They can't, it can't be, it's impossible. (laughs) They can't grow up being these perfect beings. It's part of the richness and tapestry of life that they need to experience all these things. So I can often think, oh, Skylar might grow up having anxiety over, I don't know, what eating formal meals out or I don't know, whatever weird <laughs> shit. That's a terrible, that is bad, bad example and it's very petty and superficial. Okay, not a great example. But you no, know what I mean? Like, for not using the right you know what I mean? Like, but if that's what her thing is, Jesus, that's okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's true. It is and true even if it's, and, and if it's, like you said, even if it's worse, whatever it is, yeah. if you've got that love there and you're... Yes you know, repairing yeah, at some what, point down the track. You've got that communication, that bond with the kids and you're there with them during whatever is going on and, you know, you never shut it out. You never had any no-go zones of things that yeah. you can't talk about. And yeah. I think that, you know, my life was crazy compared to the way that I raised my kids and the way that, well, no, not really. The way that I raised my kids is probably quite similar. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it was just lots of bands and lots of Sunday night pubs and lots of mum was just cool and yeah. she didn't want to not be cool because she had kids. And we were close so there was just a lot of talking, everything that we did out. And I I look at some people who, I don't know, I just sometimes I feel like people are mollycoddled coddled through their childhoods and they like to magnify dramas and I think that's what kids do anyway you know like Snow's been waking up lately about an hour after going to sleep and looking around for me and so and then she'll go back to sleep when she sees me it's just something she's going through but she's heard me talking about it to a couple of people and so my friend came over last night she just sits in the middle of us and she's like I've been going through something lately (laughs) (laughs) oh bless her but, you know, that's what you do as children. You magnify things, especially if you think mum oh. might feel a bit of guilt about this. Yes. <laughs> the fact that I missed Chelsea's birthday because I was on the phone. I know. Oh, <laughs> Chelsea, that's two by two. It's going to haunt her for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh I missed the cake. We definitely have changed before we had kids compared mm. to afterwards. We go through all sorts of different things. And what we appreciate now is completely different to what we appreciated before. And I remember a post that you think you put up about the car tent and you were saying it's amazing how, you know, you were near a creek and this is hanging out with the kids, how that's exciting to you. And it's, it's you know, compared to you're in Europe and you're visiting the bloody Eiffel Tower and you're like, where can we party next? So and you're saying the contrast between one minute we're partying in Europe having this great yeah. time, the next minute car tents truly excite us and we're loving it. It's yeah. amazing how parenthood changes you because I remember having um, being pregnant with the twins but not knowing they were twins and I only had one and I remember like talking to my sister on the phone and I was like, is three kids Dero? <laughs> Too late now. No, four kids is zero. I'm like, yeah, four kids is zero. Three kids is fine. And I was going, 
And our reasoning was that we were like, you know, I want to go to Europe. I don't. I want to take my children to Europe. I want my kids to see this. And yeah. That. And I don't want to be one of those gross families that goes to like gross caravan parks. And- <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because I think that I used to think that. I thought I was so now, snobby. I love being those gross families. Yes, this is what it we're saying. Just you. It we're happy to be gross. Yeah, oh my God. and it's... then I found out that I had four kids and I was like, I am gross, I'm just going to get a van and just accept it. <laughs> no shit, it took me years to get used to when my husband would be like, come on, we'll go camping locally like two hours away yeah, or go yeah. to the river. Yeah, and, I'm and like, you're going, oh, can we go to the Gold Coast? Can we go to like Fraser Island High? I'm like, well, what kind of person was I? Sicko, clearly. <laughs> You're right. Now I'm like, woo, going up the river with my family. <laughs> get dirty. Yeah, you can do it your way. You can make it look chic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> with Con's car tent. I, well, I need yeah, to get that. Just, that is just awesome. Finding the, just finding the most Instagrammable places. <laughs> yeah. And let that be your beautiful backdrop done. Yeah. yeah. Shut up, kids. Mummy's Instagram. <laughs> In the car tent. Eat your back Zip, zip, zip. Mum's having a quiet time. You're, you're filming a platter of fruit. <laughs> so true. Fruit's the best now too. How exciting is fruit? You just get this sense of like, wow, look how healthy I can be and the choices for my kids. Side note, there's all the processed shit that you want putting in the photo, but look at the fruit. Oh, oh man, I did a video once and it was like I, I was um, advertising the new deodorant that I had and I had set up this little corner in my lounge room and it just looked so boho chic. You know, it was yeah. plants everywhere and it was gorgeous. And so I had to send my bestie a panorama <laughs> behind the, the rest camera. Of the house, nah. There was nothing beautiful about it. You know what? There, we um, we shared a post yesterday on the Motherhood a Beautiful Nightmare page, and I I was pissing my pants. It said, "Behind every photo taken at home is a mum pushing shit out of the way so her house appears clean." It's true. Billy Violet's the worst. Once your kids get old enough to pull you on it, she's like, "Mum." You're the fakest person on the internet. You make everything look so much better than it is. And I'm like, there are so many more fake people than me, Billy. Yeah. You're not following the right people. I'm one of the real ones. If you're one of the real ones, we're all in trouble, Mum. <laughs> Maybe Con, I reckon you're right. There must be a level of fakeness now. Like we're all oh, fake. What well, yeah, on the scale, yeah. where are you, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I still think I'm in a pretty good place in the scale. Yeah. I think but, you're um, in a great place. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, you could see it worse. I'm not gonna sit there with the door open on camera and while I'm on the toilet screaming at my camera. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Sorry, Billy, that's not a side of me that I need to share with the rest of the world. <laughs> you're almost there though, Con. You're almost yeah. there. <laughs> Maybe we could do that one, like a double up. A double yeah, up. I could leave that one for you. <laughs> Con, leave that one for us, please. Don't steal that over the weekend. You watch. She's going to put that up now, tomorrow. Con. Constance Hall. Do you know what I will? Do you know what else I noticed is different about mums? Yes. And when you become mum, when I became a mum, was freaking a good series. That would have, mm. like, horrified me that yes. I looked forward to going home so that I could watch an episode of something. Yes. And now I think because your brain is so full mm. that you just need to, like, numb it out. Like, I didn't even watch TV before kids. I was just adventure, adventure, adventure. Mm. And now, like, I just love nothing more than to be able to just zone out. It doesn't happen very often. Totally. When is. Dan, my husband, says he's got a night out plan with some mates or something like that, I get this sense of, oh, I'm going to put the kids to bed early. They don't know the time telling, so 
fat bowl of pasta, bottle of red, some peanut M&Ms, watching my series. I am so damn happy with that. So what have you done, would you say, is a scary thing that you've done maybe, you know, overseas or an adventure you were on that when you think back on what it was and you think of your kids being that age and doing shit like that when they're older and it gives you that kind of anxiety of fuck like they're going to go out and do that Mm. same kind of stuff are there any moments that you look back on and go oh my god every single (laughs) drug I took any (laughs) fucking man I went home with and you know everything like it's just my entire life and I try so hard to not be that mum that goes oh you know to try and remember what I was doing at that age but like what we were doing at that age is scary you know you try and explain it to someone that's not from Australia (laughs) you know like I had an Italian boyfriend and I'd be like yeah, that's where I lost my virginity. We all did it. Shut up. <laughs> Leave me alone. You know, the life that we lived and the drinking and the, you know, it was just wild. And I can't, I can't, yeah, I see my daughter's got so much of me in her. Like she's just so me. I can feel that she's got a taste for the dark side. She's always little ears listening out. She knows more than she lets on and she's cool and she's savvy. So you think that she's going to be okay, but she's also got a big heart. You can, you know, like that she sort of hides behind her little asshole attitude. And, yeah, no, I even, you know, to mind I think about nights and they're not even funny. They're just fucking gross. Like being in England and like bloody just being maggoted drunk in Soho and um, thinking thinking it's cool, you know, calling my boyfriend and being like, yeah, I'm maggoted and I'm on my own, <laughs> you know, and he's just like, I don't want to be your boyfriend anymore. You're a mess. And I'm like heartbroken, you know, 21, just, just walking through the streets and ended up, do you know what happened? Some guy said, to, I was trying to find a cab home this night and I always think about it because I think, God, if my mum knew how much danger I was always in, she would have freaked. But, yes, um, I was waiting for cabs and these cabs were like, um, there was like these two chicks and they were Londoners and they were, I was like, can you guys help me? And they were black. And one of them was like, yeah, sure. And the other one was like, would you help us, you white bitch? And I was like, I fucking would. And she was like, no, you wouldn't. And I was like, I hate being white. Yeah. <laughs> I hate being in England. And so I went off to try and find other people. And then this guy said to me, do you want a cab? He didn't look like it was from around there. He was just dodgy as fuck and he was really shady. And he was like, do you want a lift? And I was like, yes. So we led me down this alleyway, around this corner, around another alleyway through, you know. And I'm just drunk, oh. like, I'm going to oh, get home. Jesus Christ. And then there is this van and there was another man there and he had the van, back of the van open. And he was like, get in, get in, get in. And I was just like, went to step in. And then I just went, what are you doing? And I turned around and legged it back to safety. But, um, <laughs> yeah, didn't get in. Oh, but, God. you know, this, <laughs> that was just a regular occurrence. Would, That's the one oh thing that I, I always think about whenever I think about how lucky I was, you know. I mean, I lived in Barcelona on my yeah. own. I did it all. And I was like just not naive but just loved the risk, loved the adventure, loved living. And none of my friends were as bad as me. Everyone else would be home at 10 and, you know, well, midnight. And I was just staying out. I just had this sense of almost self-destruction that I wouldn't have been able to identify as self-destruction back then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But also that wanting to, to, I did this a bit. I was always so panicky about settling down and having the white picket fence. And I never really wanted a white picket fence, but I'm just saying, I always had this sense of not wanting to live my 
my youth side, my older youth side, where I could look back on and say, geez, I had some great memories. I didn't want to be boring. So part of me mm-hmm. was always mm-hmm. like, do that, be a bit more carefree. Mm-hmm. We were in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. I remember we were in a, in a club and at the end of it, everyone had left and I thought, how cool are we drinking with the bar staff? They're giving us free shots, having <laughs> a great time. Turns out someone said to Dan, because we were both maggot, and someone said, you and your girlfriend need to leave because this is Vietnamese mafia. Like, you need to go. And we're like, sure. Mm. Now, I think if that was yeah. Summer or Ollie, I'd be terrified. But this was yes. in this moment of being cool in Vietnam getting free shots, not so cool when it's the Vietnamese mafia. (laughs) Didn't you do something like you had a dodgy story too like that? Well, you see, I feel like compared to Con, I was boring. I mean, I had fun. I thought it was crazy. (laughs) Well, you know, like like I was in Tokyo in some nightclub, you know, crazy nightclub, same thing, free drinks. It must be how it starts. Yeah, yeah. And this guy's like, oh, my friends are coming to pick us up later in their car if you want to come. I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally will come. And then this person comes up. Goes, they're the yakuza. Like, do not go with them. And I was like, get out of this club. Like, fuck it, same thing. We could, we could all be reporting from very different places right now. What did you do in Denmark, by the way? What did you do in Denmark, by the Copenhagen? Oh, that was quite cool. I don't know if you've ever been there. Con, you'd like this place, Christiania. It's like a hippie, cool, cool commune in the middle of Copenhagen. Um, where cool. you could they sell marijuana free. They're allowed to. It's like the you know it's not part of the EU. It's this cool place anyway. Local people there. We went there trying to be cool. Twenty one. Thought I'd try <laughs> some dope cookies, and I think I hadn't had much of experience with them, so I was like, I'll try them. And they were quite small. I'm like, why are they so freaking no, small? You don't like need more than one. No, do I'm you? like they're small, and you have one. You're like, and within two minutes. It's not working. They're not meant to fill you, you know, up. Yeah, I'm like, we need more. It's not working. You're not dipping it in your coffee. Jesus. Well, then what did you do? We, we all we all walked home to these dormitories we were staying in and people are like seeing guitars, riding bicycles. <laughs> the paranoia was setting in. I went to this party on the top of the roof of this building and sang really loudly the American anthem to all these international students. Oh, wow. The American anthem, <laughs> not the Australian. The know. American. I mean, but that wasn't even crazy, see, but... <laughs> No, that sounds fun. Yeah, that was more fun. That's right. Yeah, that's one of the good memories, not the dangerous not ones. <sighs> could have gone bad because, you know, the hash cookie could have repeated on you a few <laughs> years later. <laughs> True. That is very... That happens. <laughs> and that's actually another thing. That's why drugs freak me out so much because when I was young I smoked a really, really hardcore, um, like, you know, you know, with Doobies? the lights. Um, no, you know when the weeds got the lights or hydro? Hydro, like, bud. Yeah, we stole off my friend's brother and um, I just thought that I was, you know, being cool. And little did I know that that would trigger huge anxiety disorder and I would, uh, you know, yeah, freak out for a couple of years over the whole thing. And that's what I'm. That's what I. That's what scares me about my kids is because there is this real casual nature towards weed, you know. And um, of all the you know drugs that I've tried, that's probably the one that's fucked me up the most. And I just think, you know, all of my daughter's friends are smoking weed now, and I'm like trying not to be that daggy mum that goes, "No, weed can actually really fuck you up," but it fucking can, you know. And that scares me because anxiety scares me because when your fears are coming from inside your own head, there's not a whole lot anyone can do to help you, you know? Yeah. My mum always said to me, you never know fear until you're a mother, meaning that point of 
swapping over from being the child to the parent and then you're like you worry because you don't want them you want them to experience things and have fun and live and all that sort of stuff but you yeah. also want to protect them not the cotton wool but just to kind of guide them you want to kind of stand behind them and meander them all the way through and that's that's totally natural. You'd be hard-pressed to yeah. find a modern-day mum that wouldn't be mm. doing something mm. like that. But exactly. yeah, it's the worst part is when you know they need to go through certain things and it's just like, you know, like heartbreak and shitty things like that that you're like, oh, I just don't want to watch you go through it. Somebody once said to me, you don't know heartbreak until you watch your kids' heartbreak. That's the same like, thing. Oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, I remember being pregnant with Billy and she, it was... After I'd had Billy, I said to my old, um, they weren't really my in-laws, they were just some older people that used to hang out with us, but I really liked them. And I said to the guy, you know, like, I thought that once I got through the first trimester, everything would be okay. And then I had the, uh, like, the downs tests and all those things and I started panicking. And then I was worried about the birth and then she came early. And it's just like, I feel like there's just never the oh we made it like I and he goes welcome to parenthood yeah it's going to be like that for the next exactly. years and I went <laughs> exactly <laughs> you just got to get used to a new level of fear oh, yeah it's spot on and we also I don't think lose that craziness about us it just gets it it lays dormant in us we kind of switch it off but it is always there and that's when you you can take this from just a, a pinch of salt meaning like we, girls with their mates go out for a girly night they're with their soul sisters they, they want to let their hair down they want to have a bit of fun they get on they get on the booze they get on the shots having a great time and then they let loose and they're having fun they're carrying on blah blah laughing dancing throwing the hands above their head and then the next morning the anxiety what did I say what did I do oh my god god. and then we clock ourselves we're our own worst critic because we're back in there straight Mm. away texting our friends sorry what did I say (gasps) you know all these panic moments Don't tell anyone about any of that. I'm the worst because I'm always filming everything, so I send all of my friends a recap. I'm like, that was the best striptease I've ever seen. Shut the fuck, delete that. Too late. It's on my Instagram. But isn't it, isn't it funny how hangovers as we get older become anxiety instead of yes. nausea? You know, like when we're young, it's just a headache and a tummy ache, but like as we're older, it's like, <gasps> what did I it do? Totally they is. say that it's like a scientific thing. Like it's actually, you know, biological as you're getting older as well. But yeah. it's something to do with the adrenaline that it drops so much the next day. You go into this anxiety wow, and depression, right. you know, well, for I like do. 24 hours. I, I call it yeah. the alcohol blues because I'm moping yeah, around, too. miserable yeah. as sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you feel bad. Like I've done something wrong. What have yeah, I done? Exactly. I've done something. Yeah. This is not right. It's so true <laughs> as far as regardless of what our personality types are a lot of us do crave that moment of letting our hair down and yeah. just being who we used to be for a moment that carefree attitude and then we can put yeah. the mum backpack on the next day but then you are filled with that moment of anxiety those moments of anxiety what did I say do and is anything the- worth a hangover with kids oh, uh, far just, out. very rarely it'd have to be a pretty good band coming to Perth for me to actually accept that I was gonna spend a whole day feeling like they, they don't give you space in fact it's more no. And if someone wants to babysit for you, why can't they just babysit the entire next day as well? So that you can actually have a good. You I, know, have, like, I have one of those with Dan. That is a that is a rule that we are. The other one is allowed to sleep in. They have to do all the okay. breakfast thing, and Mummy's doors shut for a little bit because oh. I need to nurse that yeah. shit. Yeah, lady. <laughs> yeah, your hangover doesn't go away until dinner time when Correct. you're fucking old. No. Yeah, it's hideous. Oh, it's the worst. I got hungover yeah. on Mother's Day last year. Oh wow, tomorrow. I don't know. You, and that was weird. <laughs> I didn't plan that well, but my kids made the breakfast. You know, with egg and salmon and I almost threw up on the breakfast I was like beautiful kids thanks (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and I tried to keep it together. I'm like sweating and I'm like, Whoa. And you would have, I bet you ponged as well because oh, of the alcohol sweat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's the worst smell. Anyway. <laughs> oh, that's so gross. Anyway. Yeah, we're not painting it a good picture. I, I know. miss it. <laughs> no, but we, but we, we all, you know, it's so important for, to us to have those moments, whether, even if it is just, your girlfriend's coming around and chilling out with you. You do need to have those moments of remembering who, who you, you were are. before because you That's were exactly right. a, a very important person before you then swapped mm. to being Summer's mum, Rumi's mum, mm-hmm. Wolfie's mum, that kind of thing. Yeah, and also in a marriage as well. Like I often have these moments where I'm like, hang on, before I even met you, I was this. You can't take that away from me, you know? And it's just like, yeah, it's it's definitely identity that we need to maintain and we need to actively maintain it rather than just thinking it's going to stay yeah. with us. Yeah, and the kids need to know who you are too as a person. Hell yeah. That's why I'm like, yeah, totally. I try and be a dick at home in front of my kids so yeah. they just get used to, well, that's mum, yeah. you know, I don't have to be this. Yeah, mum's that's a right. dick. Great, but also because yeah, because so many yeah, mum's a dick. <laughs> I am <laughs> because so many mums do sort of just of the of the Esther year. I don't think so much today, but they were just the sweet, nice, caring mum, you know. And they didn't have that funny side. And my daughter said to me the other day, "You're like a troll bully to your brothers." And I was like. Yeah, babe. <laughs> I am. I just spend my whole life giving them shit and I'm an asshole and that's pretty much who I always was. And she's like, I could see her adopting a bit of troll bully to the other boys. Oh, around. Like, Thanks, Mum, for the inspiration. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. Very few wankers. It's good. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I love it. All right. Uh, me too. I'd love it more if my fringe didn't look like Bon Jovi's. I like it. I like it. It's a Bon Jovi no, fringe. Was, You're lucky if you can wear a it fringe. It's sticking up like Bon Jovi. Really? You can't? You can wear a fringe. Look at your hair. I'm a hairdresser. Oh, yes, of course. No one, well, you know, hairdresser yeah. has ever given me a fringe that I liked. Like it was always, because I, right. cause look, what do you do with it? Is that because of the cowlick? Because the widow's peak. I got a widow's peak and it splits right, right down. Oh, like Mickey Mouse. What's the difference between a widow's peak and a cowlick? I don't know. You're the hairdresser. Oh, I know, I know, I know. What? Okay, so because I've got one, little cowlick there, but the widow's peak goes in here. Look, this is my, it's a point. Ah, and the cow licks like a cow's a gone. Widow's Ugh. peak. What a horrible word. <laughs> <laughs> it is. What yeah. should we call it? A mountain. Let a mountain. Let's rename it. Actually, it's more like a. No, it's like a love heart. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Starting yeah. in your face. Why don't we call it Tamara? Yeah. yeah the Tamara peak or the Tamara. No, peak. a love heart. <laughs> we rename it. The Tamara heart. Oh, got it. Yeah. Tamara, I've got a Tamara heart. Oh my god! There'll be all these blogs. Yeah. There'll be these blogs. Like, did you have? <laughs> do you have the Tamara heart? Get on it. The Tamara heart. No, do you know what? I think you'd have to die in order to get something like that named after you. You know, you'd have to die young. And oh. then, yeah, and then I'd be at a, and I'd be at a real loose end doing this podcast. That's so. okay, but it'd be worth it. And I'll just be this legacy haunting you. Oh, I like it. I like this. Do you, ever, I need some hot do you ever remember tucking your kids into bed drunk, Con? Oh, um, probably no. I, do you know what? Well, I have had partners that, like, loved drinking huge amounts and so I was a massive drunk when I was before I had kids and then I kind of sobered up and I never felt like I had that space to drink myself. Do you know what I mean? 
I do. Yeah, there was definitely times and moments, but def- but not as much as you would have expected from me. Um, where I would be like, you know, when you can't breastfeed because you've got like you know alcohol boob and they're yeah. killing you, and you're just yeah. like, can someone fucking suck my tits? Because they're just killing me. anybody, and anybody. I, I, yeah, she's out in I the had street. Lots of those moments. But I had Arlo say recently, he was like, I've seen you drunk once, and I was like, once. Well, that's All good. Right. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, and he was like, you and Annie Freya were dancing on the table. And I was like, so he's, um, I wasn't even that drunk that night, but because I was acting crazy, he thought that I was drunk. Whereas other nights where I've been, you know, quite upset or something and I've been drinking and talking to my sister on the phone or whatever, where I've definitely been drunker, but because I haven't had that, he hasn't got that association. Well, you know, my kids haven't really seen me drunk, but what I have... Well, they have yes. What do you, mean? <laughs> you said that the other week. Well, that, that's, that's why you asked that question because you, you you've done that. I have, but I've the problem is when I get home after having a few beers, beers. I don't drink beer. Beers. I hate beer. Who are Sorry, why? Vino. After having a few vinos and gins, I then go in and look at them. Oh, but I'm not watching where I'm going. So I've tripped over the Barbie Dreamhouse. I've kicked that. I've spilt the water that's in the swimming pool there. And then I've gone, oh, over Summer's face, lovely. And she won't wake up because she, she'll sleep through anything. But Ollie's a really light sleeper. And every time Is I wake him up, he's younger. He's my three-year-old. Yeah. And Dan will come out like, oh, you know, half, like, look like he's like a lurch coming to the door. Why are you so loud? And I'm like, I gave birth to him. I will kiss him <laughs> as I want to. <laughs> Very entitled, a drunk, yeah. entitled yeah. person. Yeah. He's my son. Are you suddenly so confident in everything you've ever believed in, right? And you yeah. don't, and you know, you don't sound drunk, but really, you're a you're a fucking mess. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah, that's the worst, trying to pretend that you're sober to your husband because you want to validate yourself. And if they say you're drunk, then it takes away all credibility. So you're just like, I I don't know why it always comes out. I've had two drinks. (laughs) And you count them. I've literally had like three and then I had some food. Oh, my God. But in my case, I would have had two drinks and I'm pissed. This is the problem. Like it doesn't, seriously, it doesn't take much, which is a good thing. It's like a cheap drunk nowadays, you know. You need a couple of glasses. Yeah, exactly. And I was just saying to my mum, the other day I think alcohol being so expensive is a good thing because I used to drink so much when I was younger and now, I mean, you know, it's just $10 a drink and $12 a drink and you just... You're not going to have 30 drinks, are you? Not much change out of that now. No. But you deserve those drinks, Con. Don't you deprive yourself. Do. You can afford those drinks. Yeah. yeah. $50 right. for a cocktail. I, don't even, I mean, I go to a friend's house. My friends are all ex-alcoholics, so they don't drink anymore. And, yeah, so it's like, and you'd, you'd never be that shit friend. I mean, but they're really cool about it. They're like, always drink in front of me because I never want to be that person that doesn't. I'm like, I'm not coming over with a bottle of wine on my own. You know? It's like what you do when you and go to a, your pregnant alone. friend's house. You walk walk over with a bottle of wine, and you're like, "Here," and she's like, "Well, I can't have that." And here's some oh, crab well, then and I'll oysters, have it. <laughs> <laughs> and some pate. Thank you, and some soft cheese. <laughs> Hope you're having fun. <laughs> what an asshole friend you are! <laughs> oh, oh my god, love it. Well, we want to touch on something oh, that there isn't as. It's not funny at all, no. but I think the I've never heard this framed like you did about the subject that is bullying in your TED talk. Now I actually rung oh Tamara after the TED talk you did, and I was 
blooming mess. I was yeah. blubbering, crying. I was surprised. This yes. one, who doesn't normally cry at too much stuff. No, yeah. I'm a bit dead she, inside a lot of times, <laughs> I feel. She, Tamara bawled her eyes out. I made Dan watch her. He bawled his yeah. eyes out because it was just so true. Uh, both of us wanted to bring it up because, well, I, I want to call it a remedy because I felt I feel like if more people understand this approach, mm. it will really help the problem. And it's about taking the loneliness out of the problem, at which basically has healing benefits. So you want to combat the problem by not hating the bullies, not giving vibrational energy towards the hate, but loving the victims and showing them support. And that, that could work for it. everything. Yes, and we said yeah. that. Women in workplaces who feel bullied, yeah. whether it's a mum at the school pickup who feels like she doesn't fit in with the other mums, whether it's your child that's being bullied at school and you can't fix it, it's that I kind of listened to you say that and I thought that's it. That mm. is actually the solution about giving the victims the love and the care and the reassurance they need. Letting people know that you're not alone in it. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And also with um, children, you know, when last year a friend, a very close friend of mine's kid actually, um, but he commits suicide and I wrote a post about it and um, or died by suicide, I should say, and he wrote a post about it and um, it. I, mean, I wrote a post about it. My girlfriend told me all of the details and it was just horrific. He was 14 years old. And I really started thinking about, you know, about this epidemic and this crisis that, you know, our children are going through. And my daughter had just gone through a bullying incident herself at school. And I was thinking about the only time that I've ever actually been able to help her because I am a daggy mum, you know, I can't help her. She's like, anything you do will make it worse. And she was right. I couldn't think of a way that I could, you know, you talk to the parents and the parents were quite horrible and they were like, well, she's not so innocent herself, you know, and I'm like, I'm not saying she is. I'm saying we have a problem, let's address it. And they started turning it all and just attacking me basically, yeah. And so the only thing that I ever did that helped my daughter was I called a friend of mine whose daughter is this cool kid in school and she's a couple of years older than Billy's and um, I was like, Tan, can you just get your daughter to just say hi because, you know, anything at all? And she's like, of course, of course. You know, she's like, she'll do more than that. And anyway, she's come over and said hi to Billy and just given her a little bit of reassurance in their own sort of kid way. And Billy just felt so brave and so cool and so lucky and they realised that we've got this, parents have got this sort of thing where we think that we can fix everything and we just can't. We just, it's kids don't actually get, empowered by their parents anymore at the during teenage years it all comes from their social scene and we have to accept that but we can facilitate that sort of support and so that's what I sort of really want to try and get happening is is sort of groups where I can say if I because I have both demographics I've got the cool teenage boy and I've also got the young girl who was getting bullied now you'd think that they don't come hand in hand but the boy doesn't talk to the girl at school so you know like it just it didn't help that situation however one of my somebody that I knew's child was Vietnamese and he was at the school and he was getting bullied and they were asking him where his papers were and you know like accusing him of being illegal immigrant and all this stuff and she told me that and when I told the teenage boys the first thing they did at school was go over there they wanted to sort it out and they wanted to help him off the skin of their own back and I realized that they they actually want that kids want to be do the right thing. They want to help victims. Yeah, yep, yep. It gives them a sense of power as well. It makes them feel better about themselves. And so, if we could just be the the gap in between the bullet, the victim, and the kids and the the cool kids, you know, and that could be like my nephew's one of the cool kids, but he's adorable, and you know, he's always wanting to do things and wanting to help out and all the rest of it. His mum can easily say, "All right, have you?" 
have you logged on to th- this program and checked if there's any bully, any kids that are being bullied that you can look after at your school? You know, you could do that once a week, check in, and it could just be some sort of a program. I've really wanted to. I was in chats with Facebook about making it part of Messenger, and um, we just let it all sort of fizzled out. We all just sort of dropped the ball on it, and I think it should be a separate app because it should just be or, or something, but. Or even if it's just parents getting together and just, you know, figuring out how to make it work on their own. But, yes, yeah, something so we need to we need to shift our approach, stop being obsessed with accountability. And, you know, these kids that are bullying are probably victims too, let's be honest. They're all, yeah. Yeah, we all they have are. issues and they're all, only kids. So, like, drop that. Their problems will sort themselves out. It's not our, it's not, not our job to hold everyone accountable. We're not God, you know, but it is our job to make everyone feel like they belong and to connect with people because we are loving social creatures. And so that's our job. It's to support the victims, to help the victims not feel alone and also to facilitate kids helping each other. I think that's a really important you know, a way that we can help. Yeah. Like you said, using that word facilitate, that's exactly what I was thinking because I do that too. I want to get involved. I've got a seven-year-old who's very introverted at school and finds it hard to, to socialise, but it's a lot of the time it's it's her not wanting to, to join in. Mm. So it's not like kids aren't asking her. She's finding it hard to, who are the people? Who are my people? She's looking for them. And I sit there going, I need to fix it. How can I fix it? I'm constantly on her about yeah. who did you play with today? Who did you play with? And what'd you do? And then I, I can't, I know what I'm doing, but that's right. How, and I'm trying to work out what's the best way to facilitate mm. that as opposed to, I'm not going to be able to go play with her in the playground at lunchtime, you know, like. Do you ever feel like, I often feel like it's my fault because I don't socialise with the other mums, you know, like, because Rumi doesn't want to hang out with anyone either. He's like a full Lone Ranger and I was like, you know, at the school saying, what can we do to help him, blah, blah, blah. And the teacher's like, he's quite happy on his own. Yeah, this is what you're saying tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, he's often telling the other kids to. Go away, I'm playing with this Slater. He's doing his thing. Yeah, but then I think he probably would have bonded more had I have spent some more time with the other parents. So just looking for a way to blame myself. You know, (laughs) I was just going to say that. That's what we do. We look for a way of of that. And and what you're saying is just that so Rumi and Skylar, Tamara's daughter, it's they're kind of happy in their own little space. And that's us freaking out when we don't Not need to. Not everyone needs everyone around. Correct. Them. I know. Correct. And yeah. I think because I'm quite extroverted, I have to go, hey, don't project your thinking onto her. That's okay. Yeah. But I think I made it worse, gave her more anxiety about it at oh, some yeah. point. Oh, yeah, made all of my and then, social issues worse. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm stepping back. I'm stepping back yeah. from here, still being involved. And then, then you're probably <laughs> going to fuck up again because you've created a big problem now. You can't just step back. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and now I'm stepping back and not acknowledging it at all. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry about basket. it. Good luck. <laughs> oh, my God. The, the craziness oh, that is being a parent. See, it it's is. a jungle. It's crazy. It is. It is. A, it is a jungle. But you know what? It helps when I think there's um, people like yourself, Con, that, yeah. that other mothers can relate to and go, you know what? I'm happy to shoot the shit with you and feel like I'm not so alone in my journey because I think we're more like our unbiological sisters than we may think. Yeah, isn't that so true? 
especially when we really, really don't like someone and we really do think that we have nothing in common with them. They usually do too much yep. like ourselves. Spot on. <laughs> yep, spot on. 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but that was a beautiful um, TED Talk. I have to say I didn't know what it to was. expect. I was like, what's she going to talk about? I'll just, I'll just watch it. I need to watch it, do some research. It was on, very on inspiring. Hall. If, yeah, anyone wants to, if anyone wants to watch it, Jesus. Google it on YouTube. It's there, Constance Hall TED Talk Bullying. Type it into the search bar and you'll find it. The first thing that will come up. It's absolutely worth a watch. Got a little funny game to kind of end yeah, on. Yeah, we thought um, let's end on a on a happy note. Bring it back. <laughs> Bring it back. Do you want to play? Yeah, it's just a little quiz. Yeah, do you want to play? Fun, fun little quiz. You have she's she's got no choice actually. <laughs> All right, here we go. A couple of fun questions just to end on. Constance Hall. Here we go. You hit it, Chanel. You can read the first one. Would you rather have finger-sized nipples or nipple-sized fingers? Shit, I don't want either of them. That's disgusting. I guess I'd go finger-sized nipples. I, I reckon I could make that hot. <laughs> just stick a tassel on the end yeah, and you'll be right. Yeah. I'm just picturing like holding it and wiping someone's arm with it just subtly. <laughs> While they're trying to sleep. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Hang on. But just saying, what are nipple-sized fingers? Like little stubby little yeah. nipple yeah. fingers. You can't pick up anything with that. No, you need to have the long nips and you wind them yeah. up. That's fine. Yeah, that's the okay, long good. nips. You could make it work. <laughs> okay, she's going with the long. She's going with the long nips. She's going with the long, long nips. Okay, this is the who would you rather sleep with? <clears throat> who would you rather sleep with? Queen Elizabeth or Dame Edna Average, <laughs> otherwise known as Barry Humphreys? You know Dame Edna. Um, you no know Dame yeah, Edna. Yeah, I do know Dame Edna. Hello, hello, possums. Hello, possums. My dad drew a good picture, a portrait of her once. Um, I guess I'd probably have to go Dame. Of course. Just because I'm not a big fan of the matriarch, wow. of the fucking ma- the Fair enough. monarchy. Yeah, would, yeah every, everything would taste the a bit dry yeah. in the monarchy. In that, do so I get to it. chat to them as well as root them or do I just have to root them and leave? No, just reading. No it's chatting. Yeah, it'd be Barry. It'd have to be Barry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If they could still get it up, I probably wouldn't even have to do anything. Oh, a possum in your pushing. <laughs> Should I cut that out? That's very wrong. No, keep it. Anyway. <laughs> no, leave it. <laughs> last one. Uh, oh, no, second to last one. Would you rather always – no, that's crap, that one. Do the last one. Okay. If you ever had a superpower, what would it be? Um, my superpower is getting people to admit to things that they didn't want to say. So, you know, you think, oh, I'm not going to tell her that. I'm definitely not going to tell her that. And then I just lure it out of people. And Denz is always like, she's doing it. She's doing it. Cut. She's doing it. And I'm like, I am not. And people just tell me things. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it because I love stories. I love hearing So you've actually got that superpower. Yeah. Well, that's your oh, gift, so isn't if it? I was to if yeah. I was to give myself one, it would probably be like um, I'd like to be able to make myself invisible so that the things that people didn't tell me I could go and hear. <laughs> but wouldn't that make you sad? I was, I thought about that. I was like, you'd go crazy. You'd be like, why do they think that I'm never going to do my eyebrows like that again? Like, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want to you know things about me. That's boring. I, I just like to know spy. things yes. about oh. people. Yeah. Oh. 
I want to know what's really going yes. on. Like I hate it when I find out parts of stories and I don't know the rest because no one will ever really know. Yeah, they don't say and you go, oh, what is going on in your brain? But actually, that's really mm. good because when you asked me that question tomorrow, I was rather yes. boring. I said I would be Mary, Mary Poppins. Poppins and I would click and all the rubbish would go back in its place and I don't have to even clean, do nothing. I'd click and the, the house would just do it. And then Why would you be this- Mary Poppins when you could be Jeannie and do that and blink? Oh, shit. Why would could you be? be Jeannie when you could be God? <laughs> like it just keeps. <laughs> like where does it end, ladies? It's yeah, so true really, isn't so it? So true. Uh, they're, very, oh. they're very selfish things, by the way. They're not helping anyone, oh, yeah, those superpowers. Right. I could like feed the poor. I could fly <laughs> over countries and just do that, that to poor people. Yeah. <laughs> just, just drop with your giant nipples. You could drop <laughs> milk on the underdeveloped countries here. Constance milk just coming on, raining down on you. Oh, Sounds yeah. like something I've done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's fabulous. She's fabulous. Oh. Oh. Thank you so much, Con. Con, thank you so much thank for you coming on us podcast, Motherhood a of Beautiful Nightmare. It was, it was hilarious. And I think very insightful too. Oh, you just. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Do you, um, I hope to meet you if I come to Adelaide. Oh, please. Yes, that would, come on. That would be yeah, awesome. Wow, Chanel, that was a ripper. Oh, I loved, I loved that. that. That was fun. just so much fun. Oh, love that lady. Thank you for helping us wrap up season four, Con. And now we are really in the midst of our live shows. Oh, We've just done so one. Good. It's sold out. We're about to do our second one and we can't wait. So That's right. In a few, few days because today is Monday, which means our show on the 24th of March is Thursday. So, you know, I mean, if there's tickets left, get on to it. There's limited ticks available, but if you're keen on going, head to thelab.com.au and follow the link in there. But thank you for joining us on a ripper season four of Motherhood, A Beautiful Nightmare. We couldn't do this without you, so thank you and we love you. If you do want to check out Constance Hall's website, it's queenthelabel.com.au and there's some beautiful things up there. And they sell out pretty much instantly, so you've got to be quick. Yeah, I wanted the car tent. Bang, done, gone. Have to make that my car own. tent sensation was basically geared towards women being able to throw that shit up without needing anyone else to help them. Or pegs. Or pegs or the other crap that goes with that. So yeah, definitely. Thank you, Con, and thank you to you for listening to us. Happy end of season four, Chanel. We'll see you soon. Love you, lady. You too. Motherhood, A Beautiful Nightmare is produced by Soundball Productions and hosted by Chanel Franklin and Tamara Linky. We would love to hear from you, so please email us on motherhoodabeautifulnightmare at gmail.com or just for kicks, check out our website at motherhoodabeautifulnightmare.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode of Motherhood, A Beautiful Nightmare and can find two minutes in between managing those little nutters, we'd be so grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Hey, word on the street is it helps people find us. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.